Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. We return to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Office Equipment Solutions North America wide. Yeah, Digitex does that. D I G I T E X dot C A on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. All right. Thanks for tuning in today. And, uh, yeah, with Bouchard, if he's assigned back to junior, he could only come back up to the Oilers once his season is over or if there was uh, an extreme uh, emergency. So it'll be curious to see what they do uh, if and when Chris Russell gets activated in time for the weekend. Todd McClellan sounding pretty confident that uh, Russell is going to be able to play on Saturday against the New Jersey Devils. Boy, Brendan, uh, oh, I know you're getting Louie on the phone. I, I, pe- people love trolling the Toronto Maple Leafs, don't they? Well, I guess I do it sometimes, too. This texter says, Now that Matthews is the best player in the world, do you think McDavid will ever win another Hart, Ted Lindsay, or Art Ross again? Now, that's from a 780 area code. <laughs> so I'm going to assume that's someone uh, who's having a little bit of fun. All right, uh, you can always text 63630, the phone number 780-496-0063. We're going to do this day in Oilers history for New West Travel, Edmonton's premier travel company for 38 years. Book your winter group vacation package with New West Travel and receive free parking at Edmonton International Airport. Go online at newwesttravel.com for all your vacation dreams. On this day in 1991, the Oilers traded Mark Messier to the New York Rangers for Stephen Rice, Bernie Nichols, and Louis DeBrusque, which gave us magical moments like this one. Play is called, DeBrusque and McGill. McGill taking a few shots from DeBrusque. And he goes down, and the crowd is up. While Louis DeBrusque made short work of Bob McGill, as he did last week in Toronto when he fought Greg Farahowski. Well, speaking of Maple Leafs, Louie just going through the entire roster that season. Hey, Louie, how's it going? <laughs> hey, Reed, how are you? You know what? And the best thing about that was Bob Cole and Harry Neal with a call on Hockey Night in Canada. So, uh, you know, I've got to work with Bob a couple of times, and it's, uh, you know, it still gives me chuckles when I hear him him call a fight. There was a fight, uh, the one game we did, Edmonton Darnell Nurse, and uh his mannerisms are exactly the same. Just all these years later, he still calls it the same, still has the same energy. And um, that's my favorite part of that whole fight with Bob McGill is the fact that it was uh, Bob uh, Cole calling the fight. 
Now, would you watch a fight right after the game, the day after a game, or sometimes not at all? How did you approach that when you played? You know what? We, um, to be honest with you, we, we didn't see a lot of our fights. You know, if the only time that we would see it would maybe be a highlight up on, on the screen if you were sitting in a, in a pub or a bar afterwards or at home. You know, the highlights would come on the TV and you would see a clip of it. You usually wouldn't see the whole fight. I mean, I, there's, there's some fights that I've never have seen that I've had in the NHL, but um, a little bit later on, you know, we would we would get together, and a lot of times they'd have the videos made up in the room. You could watch something if you want to. But yeah, to be honest, I didn't see most of my fights until years later, um, in their entirety. I don't know how much you remember about that one, but obviously there's the the reference at the end of to, to fighting Barahowski a few weeks. Uh, I think just two or three weeks before that one against McGill. So you before. you must so you must yeah. have gone into that game knowing somebody was was coming back at you. Yeah, I knew there was 100%. You know what? And I, I guess, you know, the story goes that Drake Berhowski in Toronto was, uh, you know, getting pushed by the team to play more physical. And you know what? Years later, he ended up having like 20, 25 majors, I think, in the one year, I think, playing for the Oilers. He uh, he came out and he started to be more physical. He was a big guy. But it wasn't in his nature to do it, to be honest. He was, he was a real solid, good defenseman, a high draft pick. But that night we went into Toronto the week before. We, you know, we, we came together along the boards. He gave me a shot. I turned around, and, and you know, his gloves were off. He wanted to fight. And uh, it was a long fight. I kind of came out of my gear at the end of it, so he really didn't have anything to grab onto. I know what that feels like. It's a horrible position to be in. And I caught him with a pretty good one um, that put him down. So the following week we played Toronto, and of course I knew something was going to happen. They had Ken Baumgartner on the team. Bob McGill was injected to the lineup. Don Cherry was talking about it on Hockey Night Canada before the game that there's probably going to be some fireworks here tonight for what happened with Verhouski. And sure enough, you know, Bob McGill is one of those guys that, uh, you know, he knew why he was injected into the lineup. He'd done it his whole career. He's always been a team guy and he was always sticking up for his, for his buddies. And, you know, he came right after me again. We, we came together. We took minor penalties. We went into the penalty box. We came out. And uh, we squared up right at center ice at uh, the old Coliseum. And you know what? It was, uh, I talked to Dave Manson before the game, you know, and I said, listen, I don't know anything about Bob McGill. I need a scouting report on this guy. Like, because we didn't have videos, we didn't have internet, we didn't have our phones where you could sit there and look at video and check out guys. So I'm like, listen, I need, how does this guy fight? And how, what should I do? And he just said, and he said it in his, in his, raspy voice because he'd obviously taken a punch in the throat and his voice wasn't as good as it was and he said just grab him in the middle of his jersey and start throwing <laughs> <laughs> that's <laughs> so great that's exactly what i did dave madison was uh well he still is a beauty you know he's one of my favorite guys because he was just like straight for you just don't even think just grab him in the middle of his jersey and start throwing so i took his advice and it worked out well for me well, that was uh, one of your better performances. Obviously, that clip wasn't very long, and that, and that was the that was the whole fight. You, you definitely took control of that one against McGill. Hey, there's a lot to talk about with you, Louis. Uh, you know, Tom Wilson has been suspended for 20 games. He got that big contract in the summer. He was really impressive in the spring, helping the Capitals win the Stanley Cup. I know Rob Brown and I were talking about the hit yesterday and about you know head contact predatory and, and I kind of made the point Louis and, and I always love talking about like, you and I have, have had great discussions you know just sitting in the stands at Oilers games about that that side of the game and you'll tell me things that go on behind the scenes and you know the, the challenges for aggressive players sometimes mm-hmm. I, I would say with this one Louis that did, does did George Peros even need to see the video or is, does Wilson like walk into his office and is Peros like why do you keep coming in here why do I keep having to talk to you well, how, when are you going to learn like yeah. you know what, you know what I mean I don't know how you see it there's no question that his history 
played a big factor in this. I thought 20 games was severe. I do. I, you know, I thought for sure 10. You know, I, I thought 10 was severe in itself. If he would have gotten to the 15 number, I would have said, okay, you know what? This guy needs to learn a lesson. But 20 games is a major statement by the National Hockey League saying, listen, there's no better time for the dude. This is a repeat offender, a guy that, you know, just doesn't seem to quite grasp how powerful and strong he is, how fast he can skate. And I didn't see anything to try and minimize the hit. You know, that, that for me, listen, and I get it. I know he's a physical player. He runs through guys. He's a big guy. He knows he has to do it. He's making a ton of money because he's played that way, and he's a valuable asset. I get it. But at the same time, when you have a vulnerable player in that position, unsuspecting, that's a predatory hit. And that's exactly the type of hit that they've been trying to take out of the game for a long time. And you know what? Okay, I get it. You know what? He's been there too many times. You have to eventually get to a point where you slap someone on the wrist hard enough that they take note, and he's going to take note of this one. 20 games, that's a quarter of the season that hurts his team. It hurts him. Uh, It hurts him in the pocketbook. It hurts everything. But it also goes right through um, the entire National Hockey League to say to everybody, listen, this is the statement that's been made early in the year. If you're going to take runs at guys and you're going to hit somebody in an unsuspecting way, and make contact with the head, you are going to get punished severely for it. So best time, I think, is to do it at the start of the year to really bash that right into the players' minds. A little bit of a a reminder, this is how it's going to be. And you know what? Listen, um, I'm all for hitting. I'm all for guys playing physical and being punishing hitters. I mean, if I would have just saw him lower himself, just, just, I mean – and, and, and listen, I'm going to defend him a little bit here because when you're coming back as a winger and you're coming back full speed through the neutral zone and all of a sudden you cut to the middle, the guy with the puck cuts to the middle, it's, it happens incredibly fast. It really does. But being an ex-player and having hit guys exactly how Tom Wilson hit, hit, hit that player, um, I can tell you that you do have the choice. You can still minimize. You can still lower your legs, you know, Bend the knees just a little bit more and make contact a little lower. If he would have made that attempt just to show everybody that, hey, I'm trying to lower here because I know this is going to be a big contact and nobody's saying you can't have contact, but try and minimize as much as possible so there isn't a shot to the head, then we wouldn't be talking about this because they probably would have said, listen, he did everything in his power not to hit the guy in the head. But I do still think, though, the uh, the other part of this hit is this. And we've always said, you know, this is old school, and I believe this too, that it's you have a responsibility to, to protect yourself at all times and not put yourself in bad positions. And that's kind of old school. I think the new train of thought is, as the hitter, you're responsible to say, hey, is this guy in a bad position? And that's kind of what they want the players to think. They want The league wants the players for safety to look and say, listen, this guy's in a bad position. Why would I ever hit him with his head down when I can't minimize. I can't I can't really not hit this guy and not hurt him. That's what they want the players to think. And I think they've done a great job of that. If you look over the course of the last five years especially, compared to the previous five years, I mean, the hits have really gone down in that regard. Guys are really having the responsibility of not taking people's heads off when they have the opportunity. Tom Wilson decided to go through with the hit and he got hit with a really, really heavy suspension. And, and I do believe it, but it's a really heavy one. But because of his history, there's no question that's why they gave it to him. 
Louis DeBrusque from Sportsnet, former Edmonton Oilers, joining us on Oilers Now today. Reed Wilkins sitting in for Bob Stoffer. Th- that Washington game was an interesting la- one last night. Uh, you know, no Stanley Cup hangover, at least for one game. They win by a touchdown. And then, I don't know, it, maybe maybe we need, like, we added the trapezoid a few years ago, Louis. Maybe we need a celebration line so a player can't start celebrating. I mean... Yeah, you know what? <laughs> I got to tell you, you know, Brad Marchand brings a lot of attention to himself in a lot of negative ways, but I kind of, I'm on his side what he did last night. Um, I thought he allowed uh, Ellers to get into it. I don't think he, 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 he you know, he, he grabbed him. He kind of grabbed him by the head. He didn't start throwing right away. Back in the day, he wouldn't even have had a chance. You know, he would have got taken down. Again, speaking old school, it's a new game. Um, Marchand, you know, what he did was wrong. I understand that, but... At the same time, he did give him at least a little bit of a chance. And you know what? Uh, you're going to go by the bench and celebrate like that in a 7 nothing game. You can't think you're not going to make somebody a little bit disappointed. Does Brad Marchand have the right to go out and do that? Well, that's going to be the question now, how the league sees that. But as far as a player, uh, even as a commentator, i got to tell you, you don't ever want to embarrass a team like that going across. You can sell you down after you score the goal, no problem. Do a little pumper and nickel if you want. I'm totally fine with that. Even in the 7 nothing game, listen, it's the first game of the year. You just won the Stanley Cup. You score your first goal of the year on a breakaway. It was a nice goal he scored. You know, if he wants to give a little pumper nickel and a high five, that's great. But then just go back to the bench. But he kind of went by the bench and kind of rubbed the salt in the wound a little bit. And I'm telling you what, this is how all this all got started back in the day. This is how the evolution of the tough guy came around were things like this. Um, and it's kind of cycling around again. We're starting to see some things happen. You know, the game last night I did in Vancouver, it was a chippy game. Mm-hmm. Branson stepped up on young Dylan Dubé early in the game, and it set the tone for the game. There was a chippiness and a bite to it. Um, Branson and Hamannick fought. I mean, it was, you know, a little bit old school, you know, and, and I'm telling you, I'm not saying I want to go back to that read by any means. I'm not saying that I love where the game is right now. I do. I love it. I think it's the most skilled and the fastest it's ever been. But at the same time, I still want to see that element of intensity and physicality and nastiness. Let's face it. I like it when the teams don't like each other. But you know what? You can never control that in the game of hockey because it is a fast-paced game, because it is a physical game. There's always going to be some carryover that we're going to question. And, you know, what for Marshan last night, I'm sure the league's looking at it differently than I look at it, but I say, you know what, if you're going to rub salt in the wound on the bench in a 7 nothing game in the home opener, um, I'll tell you what, you're, you're going to have to pay for it, and I guess you did. And, Louis, I'm glad you brought up the, the Vancouver-Calgary game because I, I know you were uh, doing the analysis for that one. Uh, I mean, wild third period, first of all, but the, the Canucks, uh, and hey, it's it's one game, but that's a heck of a start for them. You go out and win five two. Uh, you know they're actually they're replaying. Uh, the, they're doing the extended replay on Sportsnet right now. They're showing some good saves by Markstrom. Certainly the Vancouver goaltending has been questioned, and uh, you know high expectations for Calgary. And hey, you know game one out of eighty one. Uh, but give me a sense of, of why you think the Canucks were able to, to uh, be in control last night. You know what, to be honest, I thought the Flames played well, too. They did. Their power play was not very good at all. I mean, mm-hmm. they went 0-7 in, in the game, so that was the difference. But the penalty killing was great for Vancouver. You have to give them credit. And Markstrom was, was really solid, too. Made big saves. Made more than Mike Smith at the other end, who I actually thought was playing well, well himself, like until the third period. But um, you know what, listen, here's the thing. You know, Travis Green said it best in his press conference in the morning. He says, you know, if you guys think that we're coming to the rink every day, 
just to put our skates on and try and do the best that we can and, you know, like develop. But no, we're playing to win. Simple as that. We're, we're coming here with the intent to win. If you look at their record last year, the start of the year before injuries really took a toll on them, and I mean rapidly at the start of the season, they did the same thing to Edmonton. Edmonton beat Calgary 3 nothing home opener. They went into Vancouver, and Vancouver beat them in that game. Mm-hmm. They're a fast team. They've gotten faster this year. They've gotten younger. They've injected some skill. They've injected some veteran leadership and guys like Jay Beagle, you know, who can be that, that, that veteran center position on the fourth line, throwing penalties, added a physical element last night. Um, this is a team that's healthy. So, you know what, you have to look at them and say, you can never take them. You can't take any team in the National Hockey League. Later. And I don't think the Flames did. I just think that they were pretty pumped up to get going. Uh, Elias Pedersen, you know, he's going to be a real good talent in this league, scored a goal, had an assist. He had a real solid game in his first game. But he played under 10 minutes because of the penalties. You know, it was one of those games where the penalty killing and the goaltending of Markstrom won the Canucks that game because the Flames couldn't score in the power play, which is an area they had trouble with last year. So they're going to have to get that in check. But it could have easily gone a different way with the number of power plays the Flames had early on. So the game really didn't tell the story of how it could have gone, but it made it exciting because it was uh, it was a close game into the third period, a one-goal game. I mean, that's, that's a good way to start the year off. But I don't think you can ever count any team out. The Canucks are young. They know it. They're rebuilding. They know it. But the one thing they're going to do, much like the Vegas Golden Knights, if you look at that template, four lines are going to roll and they're going to work really hard and they're fast. Louie, great to have you on the show. Appreciate your perspective on uh, Wilson, the Capitals, and of course last night's opener for the Flames of the Canucks. I know you're on with Bob every Thursday throughout the season. Nice treat for me to be able to talk to you, man. We'll see you around the rink. Thanks, Reed. You take care. I'll see you soon. That is Sportsnet's Louis DeBrusque, and yes, on this day in 1991, traded to the Edmonton Oilers from the New York Rangers. Some guests on Oilers now get gift certificates to Ruth's Chris Steakhouse. Follow the sizzle to Alberta's own Ruth's Chris Steakhouse, 9990 Jasper Avenue. Uh, I want to get to a couple of texts when we get back, including a question about maybe the Oilers changing divisions down the road. That's ahead on Oilers Now. This is Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer on Oilers Radio, 630 Ched. The Edmonton Oil Kings suffering their first loss of the season last night. Kirby Dock, a goal and two assists. He's an Edmonton area product leading Saskatoon past the Oil Kings 5-3. Big roadie coming up for the Oil Kings. Brendan Escott, they're swinging through BC in the state. Well, they got six games in nine games. Start uh, six games in nine days starting tomorrow. One of the long ones, eh? Oh yeah, they're uh, they're out for a while. BC, Washington State as well. They're that's tough, but I mean, they did themselves a lot of favors by getting off to that hot start because this stretch is going to be real tough for them. Well, you get some points in the bank. Nothing wrong with that. So you're not uh, chasing that record. And if uh, you know if you can go 500 on the road, come back in pretty good shape. Uh, you can text 630-630. Reed Wilkins sitting in for Bob Stoffer uh, throughout the entire week, though you will hear from Bob as uh, we did earlier. Trucker Dave says, uh, good afternoon. The NHL finally got it right. The Wilson suspension was the right punishment. This texter says it might be time to start to talk about banning hits. No, seriously, hits in the no, there are no hits in the Olympics, and it's the best hockey there is. Uh, while another texter says, uh, if uh, a player is in a bad position, that's his fault. Hit to hurt. Dave in St. Albert says, Reed, uh, after watching the game highlights on both sports networks last night, I swear the Leafs won 3-0 in overtime. The only goals shown were Toronto's. 
well, you know what, Dave? Sometimes that happens. I'm not saying I agree with it, but I know uh, if you might have seen any highlights from the Montreal-Saskatchewan game on the weekend <laughs> on, uh, on the sports networks, you might have thought Saskatchewan never even ran an offensive play, that it was just Manziel out there at quarterback for 60 minutes. <laughs> uh, Jamie says, uh, hi, Reed. can you comment on the rumor that if Seattle gets a team, which I think we know they will, Brendan, uh, Calgary and Edmonton could be moving to the central division and what that potentially might mean. Okay. Uh, well, first of all, if you want to get more on the Seattle experience, when did we have Andy on yesterday? One o'clock? So yeah, people the missed seg- that segment three yesterday. If you want to search the podcast, right? So Andy Andy Eide covers hockey in uh, Seattle, covers junior. He's been on the NHL expansion story. I mean, like I said yesterday, if it's not if it's not quite yet a slam dunk, it's a wide open path for a layup. That's probably going to turn into a slam dunk. And I know Jim Matheson wrote about this as well. Now this is proposed, but it is interesting to think about. Uh, the Pacific would no longer include the Oilers and the Flames. It would have Seattle, Vancouver, L.A., Anaheim, San Jose, Vegas, Arizona, and Colorado. So you'd have sort of the southwestern U.S. teams, right, along with Seattle and, and Vancouver. And then the central would be Edmonton, Calgary, Winnipeg, Minnesota, Chicago, St. Louis, Nashville, and Dallas. I think... Um, you know, travel-wise, there might be a little bit less for the Oilers, though, I mean, it's still quite a hike down to, to Nashville and Dallas, kind of like going to California. Um, you'd play the Jets once or twice more a year, which is always fun to have the Canadian teams more often. And, uh, you know, Jim makes this point in his article that you'd have, uh, you'd have more games, more road games starting earlier. Right, because most of the games where the Oilers would visit a team in the Central Time Zone, which would be uh, everybody else in the division except for Calgary, so they would start at six or six thirty Mountain Time. So you'd have a few more of those, and a few less of the games in California, right? That would start at eight or eight eight or eight thirty. Though it would be you wouldn't see Vancouver though as much, so you'd you'd lose. The one all Canadian. You lose one Canadian team in your division and trade them for Winnipeg. Uh, I, I think it's interesting. Uh, I think in in some ways it, it makes sense if you're going to add another team right on the West Coast. Well, then if you look at geographically, probably Edmonton, Calgary make the most sense to slide over. Probably more sense than say. Uh, moving Vegas over, and then they would pop Colorado, Denver, into the Pacific Division as well. So like I said, you'd have kind of more teams in that west-southwest area of the United States with Vancouver and Seattle as well. Uh, yeah, no, thanks for texting that. That's uh, one little story that we're going to be following once Seattle joins the league. This texter says, 6.30 game times? I'm for that. I'll be in bed by 9. <laughs> All right, uh, we'll take a quick time out for the news. Alan May who covers the Washington Capitals when we get back on Oilers Now. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad.